Hey guys, it's Angie here from Money in the Bank podcast. Thanks for joining in for this week's episode. There's no Brett this week, which I know I am sad about it too, but when I started thinking about topics I wanted to cover, this one kind of felt like one it would be better to go alone. So here I am. Um, A couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go to a networking event in town to talk about women, wine, and wealth. And it was, you know, ultimately it would have been a little bit better if it was a little heavier on the networking and less heavy on the sales pitchy, but I learned a lot and they had a lot of really good points that, you know, really the financial world is male dominated and there is an investment gap between males and females. And part of that to close the gap is education. So I wanted to talk about the elephant in the room and talk about why this might be happening, how I've kind of overcome it, and just provide you more information on what this gap is. Um, I am sure that I will get some hate comments for this podcast, and I thought long and hard before making it, and I think sometimes I just need to remember that the statistics don't lie, and if you want to leave me hate comments for talking about women empowerment, that's fine. I'm not bashing men at all. I'm happy that men are you know, better at investing. I'm happy they have the investments. And there's males out there that do not. And there are females out there that do. Um, but th- the truth of the matter is there is a gap. And, you know, I just want to talk about it in a very open, honest, and refreshing way. And hopefully you guys will follow along because I, like I said, I have learned, you know, a lot from attending different events. So I'm just going to jump in with some statistics. And then I want to kind of talk through how I personally broke down those barriers, and maybe kind of wrap up with an action plan for how to, you know, if you're not great at investing, whether you are male or female, if you are under saving, how to ramp that up. So some statistics. Um, Female investment managers actually has declined from being 10% of the workforce in 2009 to less than 7% today. So not only are we not even increase, you know, not even close to 50-50 female investment managers to males, we were only at 1 in 10, and that is declining. Um, And, you know, a lot of females just don't think about going into some of these more technical, mathematical roles. Uh, I think that's been a big shift. I think we've come a long way in offering STEM classes at younger ages to keep boys and girls engaged in the science and math related fields. But, you know, even personally, I am by day trade an actuary, which is also typically a male dominated field. But there are some amazing female actuaries that I know and work with on a daily basis. So part of it is just getting people motivated at a younger age and following through with it. So, you know, there's still work to do there. And financial advisors actually probably would have similar numbers. Um, I don't have those exact statistics off the top of my head here, but you know, a lot of financial advisors are males. And that, you know, I also read a lot of statistics about how females are less likely to use advisors because they don't they don't know how to find people they can trust. And not saying that females can't trust males, but I kind of relate it to the car mechanic analogy where You know, I know this doesn't happen everywhere, but there are times where I take my car in for an oil change and they bring up a hundred thousand things that need to be fixed, where the next time, you know, I don't fix any of them and my husband takes the car in, 
And it's just an oil change and he's in and out. So sometimes as a female, it feels like you're kind of preyed upon. And I don't want to use that word and have any negative connotations. But I think sometimes, you know, we do feel like we're being sold something we don't need, whether it's, you know, at the oil change place or with investments. And so we push it off. But the fact is, we do need investments. Um, You know, another statistic I have here is women keep 71% of their assets in cash, whereas men keep about 60%. So that's 11% difference right there where women are more inclined to just hold on to the cash because it feels like a sure thing. Well, that 11% over time adds up to be a lot of money. Um, And actually, over a 35-year working career, which is pretty average in this country, that can be a difference of $1 million. $1 million in retirement because of the investment gap. And I know, I know, I will probably get rebuttal. Oh, well, there's a pay gap too. Well, the pay gap is responsible for about 320000 of that, or 30-ish percent. So yes, some of it, it could be related to the pay gap, but a large percentage of it is simply that females are not investing as much as their male counterparts. This is for a variety of reasons um, that I've already kind of touched on, you know, finding a correct advisor or even having the knowledge. And one of the reasons I started this podcast, you know, I was raised by a single dad who really instilled in me that I could do absolutely anything I could dream of. And there was nothing I couldn't do. And there was no, you know, I almost think like I broke all the barriers. You know, my dad would be like, all right, we're going fishing this weekend. And then the following weekend, he would take me to go get my nails done. Um, And so it was never like, this is what men do. And this is what women do. It was this is what we do as a family, you know, Um, and one week that might be you know, chopping wood in the backyard. And then the very next day, it might mean that he's taking his three girls to the mall to, you know, buy us all a new shirt. Um, and, And what was really powerful about that for me is he was a financial advisor. So from day one, I just felt like I knew all of this stuff. I remember, you know, when I was three years old, I would go with him to fairs where he would have a booth to, you know, talk about financial advice and and life insurance, and I would take a nap in the, in the back of the booth. And I, then I would get a little bit older, and I would help blow up the balloons and hand them out to the younger kids. And then I would get even older, and you know, maybe my dad would step away to go grab some food or something, and I would actually start talking to people about life insurance and what a whole life policy was. And this is probably when I was 12 years old. Um, so for me, this was all just very natural, knowledgeable information. And as I've gotten older, you know, I realized that not all of my friends had access to that. And so many of my girlfriends, you know, I've helped them with their taxes or I've helped them set up their 401ks because it is so overwhelming. You know, you start a new job and there's all these things that are on your plate, right? Picking the right health insurance, picking the right 401k balance, and then let alone even making sure you're showing up and doing a good job at work. So it's intimidating. And 401ks can be hard because if you don't work for a company that gives you access to advisors to talk to about your 401k fund selections, who can you talk to? You either need to find a fee-based advisor or you need to kind of go it alone or maybe talk to your coworkers and see what they're doing. And so I think kind of breaking down some of those barriers and helping people understand that 
ultimately, you know, these funds, usually by the time they make it to your 401k, you'll have maybe, you know, 10 to 20 funds you can pick from. They're all vetted pretty well, and it doesn't have to be rocket science. Go with the, you know, lower fee ones and, you know, pick some index fund and maybe get a range of the small, medium, and large cap. And kind of just getting some of that financial advice and just basic education out there is so important to get people to feel more comfortable. Um, And starting with your 401k is actually one of the very best places you can start investing. You know, that's, well, I guess I was an odd duck and I got a mutual fund when I was in college, but as soon as I graduated, that was my only investment strategy for a while. You know, I, I contributed my 401k and then I was really aggressive in paying off debt. Um, but it was high interest debt and I, well, medium interest debt, I should say. Um, but I wanted to bring that up because women are also more focused on paying down debt, which can cost you money in investments, where men are more likely to run the calculations and feel comfortable keeping lower interest debt to pursue other investment opportunities. And I mention this because I am very much the same way. Um, you know what? I graduated from college and I had student loan debt and it was at 6.8% interest. So I did want to get that knocked out. And I feel I still feel, you know, very confident with that decision because typically, historically, you can expect to earn about 7% from the market and that's inflation adjusted. So a real return probably closer to 9%. Um, but, you know, it was close enough to that that I felt like getting rid of that debt and it really laser focused me on this goal. Um, so I paid that off. But I was I didn't give up my 401k investing to do that. And I think it is very, very important to not quit contributing to your 401k to pay off debt. Um, and then after I paid that off, you know, I had a car loan that was 6% interest. And I, I paid that off as well. Um, and that, that maybe was borderline. Maybe I should have invested the difference. But again, you know, early on in my career, it it really kept me on track and motivated saving a certain amount of money, I think. At the, at the young age of 22, um, I probably would have been easily persuaded to blow a lot of that money instead of saving it if I wasn't focused on a payoff debt goal. So I think sometimes paying down debt can be a good thing, um, especially if it's credit card debt, that's the highest interest rate debt, or you know even student loan debt because you don't have an asset to sell for that. Um, now, if you refinance and you get a student loan debt rate of 3 to 4%, then probably not the best idea to pay it off. You know, it really is a numbers game. And getting comfortable with the numbers, it takes a lot of work, but it is so worth it. And I have several spreadsheets that if you want, you know, if you want me to talk you through them or to help you with things, like, this is what I'm here for. And, you know, I do actually on the side, I do financial coaching now. And I got into that because there were so many people that I started helping that, you know, it was just taking more and more time. And, but I realized that I was actually adding value. And it sounds, it's so hard for me to say that, but it's really exciting because, you know, there is a role for females interested in finances to find their niche. And it's super thrilling and super exciting and super just validating to, you know, show up to somebody who, you know, one lady I helped was divorced and, you know, single mom at that point, and her husband had always just handled the finances. So she felt like she was starting from scratch. And 
just being able to come in and help her out and help her kind of build up her own legacy is it's amazing when people come back to you and then they have that smile on their face and the confidence and everybody can have that and I know it's overwhelming so if you need spreadsheets like I'm your girl just email me I will send them to you whatever you need Um, I really am here to help and you know I I just think it's (laughs) it is really important and I'm rambling a bit so I'm going to try to get back on track here Brett's not here to keep me honest, so I'm sorry. Um, So anyways, I was talking about paying down debt and how it can cost you more an investment. And, you know, so I mentioned that I was really kind of laser focused on paying off debt. And I remember I paid off my car and then I was like, what the fuck do I do now? And I just felt really lost. And I, I remember, you know, at the time, one of my old college roommates had this had this debt payoff journey blog and she was getting close to paying off her debt. And I I asked her, I was like, what now? What now? And she's like, well, you could invest or you could do this or that. And I was like, yeah, but I was just so conflicted because I felt like the right answer was to invest. But then I still had this mortgage hanging over my head. So I started paying off my mortgage aggressively and it was only three and a half percent interest, which mathematically was not the right answer. Um, But, you know, it worked out for us at the time because we were moving and we paid off enough from our first house that we had a large chunk of equity built up that we didn't have to like tap into any other savings to buy our next house. Um, And we actually, you know, took the savings we had and invested in real estate, which was very exciting to do as well. Um, But, you know, so it worked out, but ultimately now we have a 30-year mortgage and it's at 3.3 to 5% interest or something like that. And we are taking the slow path now. We're paying the minimums and we are investing the difference. And it's amazing when you start doing that, you know, you know, another side note is my husband and I used to live in a high cost of living area and we had our own apartments. Um, We weren't married at the time and our rent payment has literally stayed the same from when we lived in Chicago to now, but it, it was each person. So we were used to paying about $1,000 each in Chicago, and that's about what we pay now. And we've always, since we moved in together, just saved that extra thousand. Um, instead of trying to like adjust our lifestyle or you know do more with it, we just made it a goal to invest that. And I think that's really important too. You know, I think lifestyle inflation can be really intense and keeping up with the Joneses. And, you know, I was super guilty of this. I think anybody who knew me in high school or college could testify that, you know, I was big on material possessions and I had a lot of clothes and I would buy shoes and purses. And I, you know, just started realizing how much money that was costing me. And now, you know, I, I do like to look nice. I think we all do. Um, So, you know, my clothes look nice, but I don't necessarily go out all that often to buy new ones. I just, when I do buy clothing, I try to buy nice clothing and then I take care of it. Um, And that usually means washing it and hang drying most of it, which drives a lot of people nuts. Um, But it actually keeps your clothes lasting a long time. And the added benefit is the dryer uses a crap ton of energy. Um, So you'll, you'll save money in two places, which is, you know, quite exciting. Um, but you know, even like makeup and skincare can get so expensive. Um, and I just resorted to using, like, I literally wash my face every night with coconut oil and my skin has never looked better. Um, my acne is pretty much cleared up and, you know, my skin is just very clear and nice and I even get compliments on it and people ask me what I do and I'm like, it's, 
it's just coconut oil. Um, and then I do have a moisturizer that I throw on during the day that has SPF in it because I am super pale and it is important to protect my porcelain skin. Um, so yeah, another tangent. I'm sorry. It's probably going to be very tangential, but you know, I just want to kind of go to show that sometimes I think there's all this pressure on females to keep up appearance and keep up with the Joneses and you don't have to buy into it and you can do absolutely anything you set your mind to. Um, you know, as a, I think sometimes I break down these barriers for myself and maybe they were just even, you know, scenarios that in my own head were a thing and nobody else thinks this way, but even like car related things, that's always been something that's been so overwhelming for me. Growing up, you know, we never really had cars that were over a hundred thousand miles. Um, I, I know I've mentioned this before, but my dad drives a lot for work, so he always needed lower mile, mileage vehicles. So I just never really had car problems. And I, you know, I used to always think like you sold your car when it had about 90,000 miles on it because, you know, you still got a pretty good rate at that point, trade in value, and you got something with lower mileage again, so you never had to worry about it. And now we have a Honda Civic that just rolled over 110,000 miles. And honestly, like I, Take, we take it everywhere. I, I don't feel unsafe in it at all. And what was super exciting is learning how to do the little things in it that saved me money. Um, so one of them was changing the air filter for the cabin. Um, it's in the glove box. All you do is you like squeeze the glove box sides. You pull the glove box all the way down. You pull out this filter and then you push the new one in. And it's super duper easy. And I think the filter was I don't know, maybe like $20 on Amazon. And literally they wanted like $200 to do this, you know, at a auto store or not an auto store, an auto shop. Um, and another thing I did recently was change the brake lights. Um, I went up to the auto parts store. I got the right brake lights and it was $8. And all I had to do was take two screws out of the back and pop in my new brake light. It Like the thing just popped out and then you, you know, pulled the old bulb out put the new one in, twisted it back in, you know, screwed your trunk liner back on and you were good to go. Um, and these are things that were so overwhelming for me, but the more I do them, the more confidence I get. And then it's kind of this feeling of like invincibility maybe where it's like, literally I can do anything. Um, and it, it's really fun for me to be in that space, you know, in the space of I'm a female who's great at investing and has done very well for myself in that capacity, whether it's, you know, investing through my mutual funds or investing through my real estate. And, you know, real estate's been extremely fun for me because if you think about landlords or real estate in general, you know, a lot of landlords, again, are males. Um, and so kind of breaking that down and, you know, it's always kind of fun too, because at my age, you know, I was recently doing, um, I was doing some scouting because we want to do a new investment with real estate. We want to try to do a flip potentially. So I was, I'm doing a lot of my data collecting and information gathering right now. So I went to all these open houses to see what comps were selling for and what upgrades these houses had. And this lady was like, oh, so would this be your starter home? You know, it was like a, a 1100 square foot house. And I was like, oh no, this would be my fifth property. And, you know, I think it's pretty ex exciting and pretty cool that I've really prioritized this in my life. So at the age of 27, I can tell somebody like, oh no, this would be my fifth property. Like, you know, it just feels kind of cool to build this empire. And I think it would feel cool. I don't know. 
probably rambling again, and I'm not trying to make this a brag fest. I really hope people don't take it that way. I'm not trying to brag about all of this, but I'm just trying to show like what you can do if you're driven and you save your money and you invest. Because I know for me, when I did pay off my debt, I had that period of like, what do I do? And like, what's the point in saving money? Why don't I just spend all of my money every month? And most people budget that way. They budget to zero. And I don't. I try to keep my expenses as low as possible. It's kind of like a game for me. And then I try to be really productive with my other money. Um, And I try to build my investment portfolio and my savings. And, you know, I think part of it is then I have complete control over my future. And that's pretty exciting um, to think, you know, someday if I want to quit my job and start my own business or explore some of these other side projects more, I will have the financial means to do so. And I think the other really exciting thing is, like, I have saved up enough of a buffer where I'm not spending to zero every month. So if a catastrophe happens, let's say I lose my job, I'll be okay. And like my whole world won't come crashing down. So I should start wrapping this up soon because it's been very rambly. And but I think, I don't know, hopefully there's some good nuggets of information in here. So anyways, to wrap it up, I want to talk about how to close that gap, um, the investment gap. And I think a big way to do so is education. So that's why this podcast exists. I'm just trying to help educate females and males and young people and old people on investments and why they shouldn't be scary. Um, You know, we've actually done two investing 101 and 201 episodes, and we're actually going to have 301 coming out next week. So stay tuned for that. You know, we are big on educating people about investments. We've done an episode on real estate. We will probably do another one. Um, That went over pretty well. And we've also done an episode on small business, which went over pretty well too. But if any of those really resonated with you and you want more, please let me know. I do try to tailor the podcast to what listeners are looking for. Um, So anyways, one way to close the gap is education, which, you know, I'm already trying to do that. And I can work with you one-on-one if you want. You know, if you have quick questions that you can just email me anytime, I will help. If you want more in-depth, you know, I do have financial coaching. You can check that out on my website if you're interested. Um, But education is super important. So, you know, that's why we're here week after week. Um, The number two is to ladies prioritize saving and I know it's not exciting and I know it's not fun and there's a million other things you want to do with your money um and right now I'm really targeting people you know people in their 20s and 30s saving is good at every age but when you're young when you're in your 20s and 30s gosh it makes all the difference and it sets you up for a lifetime of success instead of a lifetime of hardship and I know it can be hard to think like what am I saving all of this money for but to avoid having to go through things that are hard because you were really well prepared is just really nice. Um, you know, I've had experiences with some of this. I've mentioned before, but you know, I've been in the hospital for various surgeries and I've dealt with different medical issues and being able to just like know that I can pay for that and it's not going to set me back is so relieving. It takes this huge stress off. And when you're dealing with medical things, reducing your stress is so important. So, okay, so we're going to educate, we're going to build up our savings, we're going to have those emergency funds, we are going to contribute to our 401ks, 
And if we're confused about fund selection, we're going to email Angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com and ask her to do an episode on fund selection. Although I think we did talk about that in a 401k episode at one point. So search back through the history. But if you have more questions, send them my way. Um, and after we invest in our 401k and we have an emergency fund and we're educating ourselves each and every week, we're learning something new. We are going to pay off debt that's over, let's say, 7% or close to that, maybe 6 6%. If it's 6% or higher, we're going to focus on paying down debt. If it is lower than that, we are going to do the right thing and we are going to invest our post-tax dollars or invest in an IRA instead. Doing all of these things is really going to help us close that $1 million gap. And that's super important for us to do because... You know who lives longer? Women. We live so much longer. Well, not so much, but we statistically live longer than males. So we need that money. And why not, right? It's not that hard. We can do this. We're smart. We're capable. Um, This is like my war cry. Like, we're going to go invest all this money and it's going to be exciting. Um, And males do this too. Like, if you're not investing money, if you, if any of you are still listening to this podcast and you are not at least getting your 401k company match, I have failed you because I think I bring that up almost every other episode. That is free money that you are leaving on the table. So go get that. Um, And then let's build up those emergency funds, right? Like let's get our three to six months of expenses. And if you don't know what your expenses are, you're going to download mint.com right now. Well, not download. You're going to go to mint.com and you're going to create an account and you are going to start tracking your expenses. And it's going to be a beautiful thing because We're going to arm ourselves with numbers and facts, and we're going to save all this money and do amazing things and change the world. So that's this week's episode. Thanks for sticking with me if you made it this far. Um, It was really hard for me and really nerve-wracking to just get on and talk without without Brett here to break it up. Um, It's a lot harder doing a solo podcast, so I have so much more respect for people who do this on a regular basis. Also, good news, we are still running our contest, so you can win $50. No catches, no strings attached. All you have to do is leave us a review um, on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, really anywhere you can leave a review, leave us a review, or tell a friend about the podcast. Um, You can do this anyway, however you want. Just somehow send me, you know, an email with some proof, like a screenshot or something that you told somebody about it. Um, And you will be entered to win 50 bucks, and we're going to give it away on our 50th episode, which is very exciting and approaching rapidly, which is crazy that this little nugget of an idea I had, you know, almost a year ago is turning turning 50 episodes. That's crazy Um, and very exciting. So cold, hard cash, you know, because I don't know when I was thinking about doing a giveaway. It's like, what do people want? And there's all these other giveaways out there, but it just seems like cash. You can pay off debt, you can invest with it, or you can treat yourself, right? Whatever you want to do. Um, So do that, and thanks for tuning in, guys. Hey, guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.